Hey there, teachers. Since you're a regular podcast listener, and I know you're committed to improving your literacy instruction, I want to make sure you know about our free private podcast, the Confident Writer System Series. This private podcast was the result of so many teachers asking me questions about how to teach writing. I'd get questions like, my schedule is already so crammed. How do you find enough time to teach writing? Or my students struggle to write complete sentences and paragraphs, yet I'm expected to get them to write a five-paragraph essay by the end of the year. Help! (laughs) So I decided to put together a five-episode private podcast series that will teach you how to teach writing in upper elementary. In this short series, you'll learn the five mistakes to avoid when teaching writing in upper elementary, simple routines that will take your students from confused to confident, and manageable ways to teach writing every day without feeling rushed. You're going to get access to a podcast workbook that is filled with freebies and writing resources. So if that sounds like something that you want, then head to stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast and sign up for this free private podcast. These episodes are only available inside the private podcast and trust me, you're not going to want to miss them. You're listening to episode six of the Stellar Teacher podcast. Teaching literacy is tough. It takes time, knowledge, practice, and a ton of effort to be good at it. But with the right tools and strategies, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. So I know firsthand just how hard it is to find high quality resources that are not only engaging for students, but will actually get the job done. Each week on this podcast, I'll be sharing meaningful, no-fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will take you to the next level of your teaching career. So are you ready to feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers and have a little fun while doing it? Let's dig in. Hey friends, I am so excited to have you back for another week of the podcast, and I am super excited about this episode because it is my first guest episode, and I have one of my very good literacy expert friends with me today, and we are going to be talking all about guided reading, which is so important for upper elementary teachers. So I'm excited to introduce you to Eileen from Learning to the Core, and we are going to go ahead and jump right into our episode today. Hi, Eileen. Hi, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Could you go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience just in case they do not know who you are yet? Yes, absolutely. So I am Eileen Clausen, and my blog and social media and all that is Learning to the Core. Um, and then my TPT store is my name, Eileen Clausen. That's awesome. Eileen and I became friends uh, about a year ago through Instagram, and I love her Instagram because she is all things literacy as well. Um, and one of the things that she is really known for is guided reading, which I feel like is not one of my areas of strength. I would consider her to be a guided reading expert. And so can you just go ahead and tell our audience, how did you become an expert in guided reading? 
Yes. So I started my teaching career as a kindergarten teacher and truth be told, I had like no clue what I was doing with reading, teaching reading. And especially when you're teaching the very beginning stages of reading, it's really like, okay, we're starting from square one here. So I um, got my master's in literacy education, probably like three years into my teaching career. And after I finished that, I right away got a job as a reading specialist. And I first started doing K-1. And I absolutely loved working with the primary kids, like just loved seeing the growth that they can make. And um, that's when I started doing guided reading. Then I got a new position at a new district, which was a K-5 reading specialist position. And I started to really expand my knowledge and understanding of like guided reading in all stages and came to really love everything that can come from a guided reading group, because you can provide that special attention to all the students in a small group setting and really start to see growth for readers of any ability level. I feel like your teaching career kind of sounds a little bit like mine, especially with the one you start having absolutely no idea about how to teach reading. <laughs> and I feel like your hopefully you don't pass judgment on me for this, but I remember my first year when I was teaching, I knew guided reading was one of those things that I should be doing, but I was such a hot mess that I did not start pulling groups until November. Which is totally fine. I always tell people it's a learning process and you just get better as each year goes on. You learn new things and you know when to start, when to do them and that kind of thing. So that's totally normal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So for all of you who are listening in January, if you have not started your guided reading groups, that is okay. Eileen is here to give you some tips. So if there are people who are listening, they're either new to teaching or they haven't done guided reading before. Can you just give a brief overview of what guided reading is and why it's so important, especially in upper elementary? Yes. Okay. So guided reading is when you're having a small group reading instruction, and it is actually totally based on the students and their needs. And you're going to have varying levels. So you have different groups and you're doing different things with the various groups based on the students current reading levels. And it's basically just a way to really hone in on the skills that students are working on and to have them continue to make growth. And again, it doesn't matter primary students or upper elementary, all kids need that small group reading instruction where you're really focusing on them and their needs. And upper elementary, it might look slightly different than lower elementary, but you're still just focusing on the reader themselves and getting them to practice reading every single day in that guided reading group with you as the guide. I was going to say, I started off as a lower elementary teacher and moved to fourth grade after a couple of years. And I was actually really surprised because a lot of teachers on my team weren't using guided reading. And I'm like, you guys, this is so important. Like we need to be meeting with our students in small groups. So yeah, I love that you're an advocate for upper elementary teachers using guided reading as well. Yeah. So how do teachers, how do you get started with guided reading? You know, I always think back to that year, my first year, it took me until November. If somebody has not started guided reading yet in their classroom, how do they go about getting that up and running? Yes. Okay. So the main thing with guided reading is you want to be able to divide your students into groups that make sense for the students, because obviously we don't have uh, enough time in the day to work with every single student one-on-one, which would be amazing, but clearly we can't do that. So instead in guided reading, you're going to need to first have an assessment where you are able to see where each student should be starting working with you. So most schools, some do, some don't, I know this is not everyone, but 
most schools, if they're using guided reading, hopefully have a benchmark assessment kit. And this is going to be what you do in the beginning of the school year, in January, and then usually around like March or April, depending on when your um, school year ends. But this is where you're getting that information. So you know, okay, this, where the students are starting. So you know where to start your group. So this is where you're getting a reading level for a student. And again, we know Students are typically not one reading level, but it gives you a starting point. So, you know, you have this data to say like, okay, um, I know my students need to be broken up into these groups and I can start here and then they can move as you continue. And so I know you said that like teachers usually have kits from their schools or in an ideal world. What if a teacher doesn't have a kit for their school? Does that mean that they can't do guided reading? Or do you have any suggestions for if a teacher wants to do guided reading, but doesn't have an assessment kit, what do you suggest they do? Yeah, so I've, um, I explained this to teachers in a number of ways. Basically, what all you need is some sort of passage, text, something that has a level already, and you can use that to guide your groups. So if your school has access to like reading A to Z or a program like that where you already have level text, you can use it and more or less create your own benchmark kit so that you have passages at various levels that you're using to assess your students in a running record format. It doesn't have to be super formal, but you want it enough that you're gaining the data from there to inform your instruction. I love that suggestion of using reading A to Z, or even I know like the scholastic books are leveled. And I think, yeah, that point of just the whole, it, it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be a general idea. So that way, you know where to start with your students. So once teachers have groups, what do they do with their students once they're at the table? I feel like I was one of those teachers that when students came to me, I was like, okay, great. I know I'm going to get started with small group now what? Like what, what should teachers do during their small group lessons in order to maximize that time with them? So my biggest thing with this is it's basically, it's just a system. Guided reading is you just have to have your little pieces in place so that you feel like you can make the most of your 15 to 20 minutes. Typically that's what people have with the students. So um, I always break it down into a before reading, during reading, and after reading. And in the before reading time, this is where you're really focusing on just an introduction to the text. And this is super simple. It can be like one sentence where you're just telling the students like maybe an introduction to the characters or like the overall theme. And again, you can do this for kindergartners or third graders. They still need that like, oh, okay, let me get my mind into like what we are going to be talking about today as I'm reading. And then you want to do some word work. So, so you might be focusing on specific phonetic patterns. You might be focusing on different endings, whatever it is that you're going to be seeing in that text, you want to have some practice with the words out of context, and then have them actually be able to apply those skills when they're reading. So then that way, when they are reading, they're not all of a sudden totally thrown with like, I don't know how to figure out this word. So you're providing them with that guidance guidance beforehand so that they know um, that they can actually figure out the words when they're reading on their own. Um, you also want to make sure you set a purpose. So this might be a combination of setting a purpose in regard to like, when you're reading today, I want you to find, we're going to find out who took the ball, whatever. <laughs> and you want to think of strategies too. So today I really want you guys to apply the strategy where we're breaking down the words into our syllables in case you can't figure out the word right away. So that's kind of like the before reading, during reading, all you're doing here is literally letting the students read. So this looks different for kindergarten to a fourth grader just because kindergarten you're probably having them read aloud that much more where in fourth grade you might just have everyone reading on their own but you're then like leaning in and saying hey can you read that little paragraph to me and that kind of thing so you're still guiding the students at this time but really the focus here is that the students are reading 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 because as we know the more practice students get with reading the better they get 
So you're not reading to them. You're not all reading at the same time, like word by word. Everyone's doing their own individual reading so that they are all focused on their own text in their own time. That is one of those things that I feel like it took me a long time to like be comfortable with letting my students do reading during the guided reading lesson, because I felt like as a teacher, I needed to be doing something to help my students. So whether it's me talking or asking them questions, and I feel like a lot of my guided reading lessons, they weren't actually reading. So if students come to your table and they're reading, what should teachers be doing during that time while the students are actively reading the guided reading texts? So this is where you're like listening in on students one at a time. So you want to make sure that if you notice a student having trouble with a certain type of word, that's where you're like making a note of it and saying like, okay, let's talk about some strategies. Some students are very like, oh, I know I can apply this one. Other students, you really need to like pull it out of them, but you're not telling them the word type thing. So you need to sit there and listen in and you're going to guide them and say like, do you remember what strategies we discussed before we started? Maybe you have like a little chart you're going to point to and say like, hey, how about if we try this one? And you want the reader to start to then figure out like, oh, I can figure out words like this on my own because I know what strategies to use. So you're really guiding them and listening while they're going through the text. I love that. I think that's so smart. And so when students come to the guided reading table, they really should be spending most of their time reading. Reading. Yeah. That's (laughs) like, I always say that, but I'm like, sometimes you think like, well, yeah, but really it's like, well, you only have 15 minutes and you're also supposed to be doing questioning afterwards and you're supposed to be doing more. So it's like, wait, what? But really every single day the kids need to be reading in order to make the growth. So then once they've done the reading part of the text, what comes next with your guided reading lesson? So now you're in the after reading part and what I usually do, so you'll have some students who uh, finish early. You'll have some students who are way behind. So I usually, you know, you set your timer and like, okay, now we just have to go on and actually discuss the text. So you might have some students who have read through parts of it twice. You might have students who are still a little behind, but basically what you want to do is get a discussion going with the students. So I always encourage teachers to make sure that they're having students talking to each other so that they can have a conversation about the text. It's not just you saying a question, get one kid to respond. It's really like you want it to be a conversation about the book rather than just like a back and forth one, one, one. So once you have them do that, you can also then have them actually write responses. So this might be on big poster paper where you're having them get out their sticky notes and, you know, having different things that they found from the text, or it could just be more of like an actual um, written response, depending on the students and how much you want to like make it a little more exciting and that kind of thing. (laughs) That's, I think is such a good point too. Again, this idea that we want our students to be having conversations with each other and not the teacher being the keeper of all the questions. Do you have any tips or suggestions for teachers to try to get their students to be the ones that are asking the questions and having a discussion rather than relying on the teacher? Yeah. So I, it was maybe like my second year or third year of really like focusing on guided reading. And I realized like, I probably was doing too much of the like work, which we always say, like, if you're doing more of the work, you know, the kids aren't doing enough. Well, and I always say teachers work hard enough as is let's make our students work harder. (laughs) Exactly. So what I did was I kind of came up with like a student leader of the week. So like in each group, there would be a student leader and it rotated every week. Um, So everyone got a turn to be it. And they like love that ownership of like, I even let them sit in my chair and that kind of thing. So like they would take over the discussion. So it makes them responsible for like, I have to be like, they have to be responsible to come up with questions that related to the text. 
So you could provide like question stems to get them started, um, but then they're leading the group. So then you're kind of taking a back seat. And this is something that really happens after a few weeks of like understanding how guided reading goes and them understanding the system. It's not something you're going to start from day one, but it's just something that you can work up to. And then kids become more engaged in it because they know they're going to have the chance to be that leader. So they need to know how to do it. So they have to you know, be understanding of how to create questions, how to focus on the text so that they can talk about it and all that. I even had like a student leader who they would provide strategy suggestions at the beginning. So like they would pull out a tool and like, okay, friends today, we can all use whatever. And, you know, they're just mimicking you, but that's what you want because it's becoming ingrained in their own mind. And then they can do it when they're not with you basically. I love that idea. And it kind of makes me want to go back and have my own students so I can try that because I especially love the idea of even letting the students sit in the teacher chair, because that really does sort of like flip the ownership of the lesson to rather than the teacher being the one in control and in charge, it really puts the responsibility on the students, which is ultimately what we want. Yeah. So all of that to me sounds like a lot of like a lot of things that goes on. And I know most small groups are really only 15 to 20 minutes. So is this something that teachers should do every single time they have a guided reading lesson? Is this spread out over multiple lessons? How do teachers make sure they get all of that in during Mm -hmm. their guided reading lessons? So the big thing with this is like, once you do have your system, which I'm referring to in place, it is where it's so systematic that you're like, okay, we moved through our word work. We got that covered in just a few minutes at the beginning of the lesson focusing on that reading as your main goal every single day. And a lot of times like teachers say, well, I didn't finish the story. Is that okay? Of course it's okay. You're, you're going to have some groups who may take three days to finish something that you thought would take one day. It's the same thing as like things you're doing in the classroom with anything that you're doing in the classroom. But what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're always having those three things happen. Even if at the end, it's like, oh, we only have 30 seconds left. Let's real quick do pick one question to talk about the text so that you can say like, okay, this is what we focused on today. Tomorrow, we're going to pick up where we left off. So getting yourself to feel like, okay, I got, I hit my before reading part. I'm going to focus on the during reading because that is the most important part because you need them to be reading and making that progress. And then saying like, okay, we'll do a quick follow-up. And if it stretches into the next day, that's totally fine too. I love that. Yeah. Having the flexibility, realizing that not every group is probably going to get through all three parts or the same amount of time, or even finish a text in the same day and they can extend it from day to day. So I know one of the things that can be really challenging just about, I don't know, instruction in general, this time of year is this idea of engagement. I know, especially when we come back in January, students have been on break for a couple of weeks and maybe aren't as excited about getting back into school. So How do you suggest teachers keep students engaged, especially during guided reading lessons? All right. So this is just a matter of kind of throwing in different things into the mix. So it can be that you're using like different tools. So like upper elementary, you don't typically use like pointers, but maybe even on like Fridays, you let them grab a pointer that they, that they know you have in the room kind of thing. You know, students always are very aware of like the tools you have that you're not using with them. (laughs) So it's like, you can make it something where like on Fridays, we're going to engage, you know, engage with our story today and we're going to use pointers. You can pull out, like I said before, like post-it notes, poster paper, smelly markers. I mean, kids go wild for that. So if you just have them out at the table and they know that They're going to be able to use those once they get through the meat of the lesson, they're going to be more engaged and ready to do it. You want them to like mark up the text and all that kind of thing. Like 
getting them to really, um, I think like use your hands while they're reading, it makes it more of an experience for them so that they become more engaged. Um, you can really focus on celebrating success. So like, as soon as they come back in January, you want to be like, okay, let's do this. We're so excited. I know we've been reading at home. Now we're going to apply our skills again. We're going to review and that kind of thing. And, um, making a big deal about each student applying a strategy or each student answering a comprehension question super well, like those kind of things. So really making a big deal of it, I think helps students feel like, oh, Mrs. Clausen's paying attention to me and what I'm doing. And they want to get that feeling of like, she, she mentioned my name. She knows I'm doing well too. So really focusing on how you can keep those students like excited and engaged with whatever tools you can pull out of your little toolkit. Well, and I think, I know you mentioned that upper elementary students don't necessarily need things like pointers, but I'm always, I was always amazed at how my fourth graders loved using some of the tools that I used in first grade, whether it's the pointers or even those little PVC pipe phones, or even pulling out stickers or special glasses. I mean, they're older kids, but they're still kids and love having fun with some of those extra, extra fun teaching tools. Yes. It's like all those things you bought from the Target dollar spot you can actually use. (laughs) (laughs) More excuses to go to Target. (laughs) Yes. So what about for our virtual teaching friends right now? I know guided reading, obviously in the classroom, probably looks a little bit different than if you're teaching distance learning. So if a teacher is teaching virtually, can they still do guided reading? And if so, like, what are your suggestions for them? Yes, absolutely. So obviously your setup's going to look different because you are behind a computer screen, but you're still wanting to pull the small groups because you still are going to have that valuable time with the students and they're still going to get something out of it. So yes, we recognize that it's going to look different and you're going to feel like maybe a little bit more like, oh my gosh, is this working? But it is working. So what you can do is like you can use digital texts where you're either sharing the sharing a link with the students and they have it pulled up on their screen or you're sharing your screen. You can even share your screen with actual books that you have too. It's just a matter of like really using materials that you know are still going to get the students to be reading and just using it via the computer. So um, yes, you might be holding up a book or you might be using your screen to share, whatever it is, you're still wanting them to see those texts and actually be reading them. And then like Google has so many add-ons that you can use if you are using Google where like you can have kids flex their own pointer. So then when they are reading through the text, they have their, I mean, they're all sorts of characters. Like you're not inventing anything here. It's literally just like, okay, like today everyone gets to pick their pointer that you're using for guided reading and they get to click through and you're not seeing it on your screen. So it's really just like, it's not being distracting to every other student because it's just the students are going to see it on their screen. So there's little things like that. Google forms are such a good way to like, like, let's say if you're just starting guided readings or your groups are just changing because you've been assessing them (laughs) um, and you want to switch them around, you can have students pick their new groups names. So you could use a Google form to actually create just a little like vote on your group name. And then every student submits it. And then you say like, okay, look, here are our results. You guys are the Yosemite group, like whatever it is. So it's just a matter of thinking like, okay, what would I normally do in the classroom with my students? And now how can I do it digitally? And there is absolutely no need to go overboard. It's just a matter of like, the point is still that you are trying to get your students excited about reading and you're trying to help them make growth. So really like using tools that you can find online I mean, we know like Bitmoji, same thing, like people love using those. Like 
include those somehow in your lessons. So it's just a matter of really like getting students excited about it and seeing like, oh, I can read even if it's from across the screen. I mean, all of that sounds so manageable. And I think you're right. I, I know teachers have felt so overwhelmed this last year with having to teach virtually. But at the end of the day, if we think about what is the main goal of guided reading, it's mm-hmm. to get kids reading and to provide that small group support. And that can still happen, whether it's on Zoom or Google Classroom. And yeah, those suggestions all sound really great. So one of the things I heard you mention is uh, if student or if teachers are teaching virtually, they could possibly find digital texts. Do you have any suggestions on where teachers can find their texts from? Yeah, so there's a number of like websites that you can choose from that do offer whether you might have like the printable or the actual format with you. Um, They do offer them online, but I also have my own. So I have two spots you can get them. I have a ton of years of work of pre eighth all the way through Z level text. So I do have them all formatted digitally to use within Google slides. Um, so it's really a matter of just like sharing that link, like I was talking about and your students have everything like there in front of them so that they can be reading and focused on their reading. And then I also offer, so that was those I offer on teachers pay teachers in my store. And then I also have it on my own little membership site where you can get literally everything pre A to Z fiction and nonfiction, just like a one-stop shop. So you can access them whenever you need to. And like, you're like, oh, I'm meeting with my level B group today. Okay. Like all you have to do is go in, open the file, click, and you're set. So try to make it as easy as possible because I know teachers are working incredibly hard and don't have time to search through everything and find exactly what they need for each individual group when you're focusing on so many different kids. Okay. So Eileen is being really modest here. And (laughs) so she has literally created an entire guided reading library from A to Z. And when we first became friends, I was like, oh my gosh, this is these, it's impressive. I mean, there are so many texts and I was like, where did you get, where did you get, like, what team did you hire to write all of your guided reading texts? And she's like, oh, I wrote them myself. (laughs) So Look, teachers, if you need guided reading passages, whether you are print or digital, Eileen has some amazing guided reading resources, and we will be sure to leave a link in the show notes. So that way, if you're interested in checking them out, you can find them either on Teachers Pay Teachers or on her site. But like I said, it's really impressive. And I wish that it is a resource that I had when I was still in the classroom. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much. So we are coming towards the end here. So one big takeaway, I guess, if there was like one thing that you want teachers to know about guided reading, what would you, what would you tell them? Okay. So my biggest thing is remember guided reading is about the students. It's about the reader and it's about them doing the reading. I really like cannot stress that enough. The reason guided reading works and why I'm so passionate about it is because you're letting the kids read and you're getting them to focus on the text in that small group setting. So as long as you are making sure that your readers are reading every day, your guided reading groups are going to soar. I love that. And I think you're right. Yes. Focus on reading. And that's the important part. So Eileen, if my audience wants to connect with you or follow you, where can they find you on the internet? So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at learning to the core. And then same with our blog, it's 
dailylearntothecore.com. And then TPT, you can find me under my name, Eileen Clausen, but it's A-Y-L-I-N. I'll just stop there. <laughs> different too. So easiest is to click from somewhere else or um, search my name. And then otherwise, engagingallreaders.com is my membership where you can also find all of those guided reading files. Awesome. And we will include links to all of those in our show notes. If you are not already following Eileen on Instagram or following her on TPT, I would definitely encourage it. She has so many good reading tips and I am so glad that she was able to join us today to share some of her knowledge about guided reading and hopefully you guys found it helpful. So Eileen, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. All right. We'll talk soon. much for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. Don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. And you can also find links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.